Hi, I'm Tony, the host of Drinks with Tony. And if you've been playing along at home over the years, you know I've been doing Drinks with Tony for a very long time. Our guest this week is Ricarda Paracel, a friend and a friend of the show. She used to pop in studio when we were on air in San Francisco, and a few times, a few of those times, she brought in her guitar and performed live. I mention this because during the interview you're about to hear, we bring it up. And at the end of the interview, I include a clip of Ricardo Parasol live in studio on Drinks with Tony in 2008. Yes, 2008. 12 years ago. It's crazy. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show and listen to the very end because Ricardo is one of my favorite singers. Hello, I'm Ricardo Parasol and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. And on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Ricarda Paracel. She's a musician, artist, and writer. Her recorded releases include The Color of Destruction, Against the Sun, For Blood and Wine, and Our Hearts First Meet. She's the author of the children's book, picture book series, Ant Black, uh, which includes Ant Black and Ant Black Goes to Paris. Hi, Ricarda. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I, you are a mouthful because you're doing so much. Uh, well, I had been doing so much, and now I'm just writing, hoping I'll produce, uh, uh, publicly produce and release something else sooner than later. When you say produce, are you talking the music end or uh, books or uh, film? It's it's kind of vague there. Is it a is it a podcast? Maybe is it a is it a puppet show? It's very close to a puppet show when it's all. <laughs> I'm the puppet. Um, at the moment, I'm still writing music and sort of uh, cobbling together another release. Um, it's just a matter of um, being able to finance the recording, and that that end of things is a big conundrum. But I am writing a series of very dark, humorous short stories that I hope... Um, I can find a publisher for, but if not, then I have every intention of doing audiobook release and podcasting and just completely self-DIY, um, don't care, just share. You are very funny, because I've known you for years, and you are very funny and very dark funny. So my therapist I th- laughs when we talk. <laughs> yeah, she does. My therapist. Hi, Judith. She, she laughs a lot when we, yeah, yeah. sometimes she laughs and she cries. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, why am I paying you when I'm giving you a show? Yeah. Well, no, I think we should take it on the on the road for sure. Yeah. Like, just talk about my parents and. Yeah. Yeah. I asked about years ago. I asked my therapist to come do a live therapy with me in the studio, and she said she couldn't because of uh, what do they call that? That honesty. Oh, thing. Yeah. The um, client. Confidentiality or something? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. I don't care where we go. And she's like, No, it's just trust me. And I'm like, I know. Seriously, I'm an open book. Yeah. Well, she's probably right. You know. Yeah. yeah, She probably knows something about the law we don't. Otherwise, why would we need therapy? (laughs) Exactly. Or yeah. So more likely, you need your attorney on the show. That would be yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Attorney present. Yeah. Yeah. And an entertainment attorney, and I'll just give him all my woes of what's happened to me over the years. Uh, but he'll do that hourly rate, so forget about that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, they'll bill you for anything. Even the phone calls, my God. So, uh, 
What would be fun is if I got like an attorney on the show pretending like he was a guest, but actually only asking questions that were sp- particular to me. Yeah, I think they have that on one of the public broadcasts on Sunday nights, but... Uh, Do they really? Yeah, because it called in once. <laughs> it was... I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was really petty. <laughs> Super petty. Did you win? Since. No, I think they were like, oh, yeah, we can't help you with that. So it sounds like. <laughs> I'd hate to call into one of those shows and have them go, is this Tony Duchesne? They, they probably would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because just because they have a grievance with me, not because they know anything else about it. Um, that's no, but I was I was saying that because I, I you're going to get traditionally published. Yeah. I feel that I don't feel like you're going to have to do it the other way. But we'll talk about that after yeah. this. Um, I'm excited you're working on that. And we were talking about comedy a minute ago because we both have taken stand-up comedy classes. I kind of did stand-up for a bit, but you used it in a different way. Well, I used it towards writing. I I felt um, at the time that I did the comedy course, but by the way, I never graduated. (laughs) That was really the funniest part. Did they give you like the funny tassel that you put over at the end of graduation? Is Is it like a chicken like a ch- one of those chicken things like the dead chicken rubber chicken Gosh, i i have no idea i i wish i'd known i would have hung in there yeah, but yeah. Mm, i i don't know i think i was having a freak out about music and performing and and then i realized wow you really have nothing there's no band there's no hiding behind a jumbo guitar it's just you on stage and um the performance part was what i was trying to maybe run away from and uh, but I liked the writing, writing the jokes, um, thinking of jokes and one-liners, and to me that's a little bit like writing poetry. I mean, there are very different, but getting the right language, hitting that mark in the punctuation. I'm a rhythm guitarist. I you know so there's this rhythm to telling jokes, um, setting it up. Um, catching people by surprise and I, I, I like doing that in music too like here's the surprise twist in the story and so I think it helped me approach story writing differently and I don't know if it ever really entered very distinctively into my music although I have written some very funny songs that have not been released like I do a lot of rap when I'm right. no, one is, no one's looking in <laughs> and um, so but as far as these short stories I'm mm, sort of more interested now to take these very they're very dark but they're also really funny and and so it's a way of just kind of having all these parts that are part of my own personality that I (laughs) can be very very dark and very very funny (laughs) and uh, now they have a space where they can have their own little party yeah yeah so um and also, I remember back when you like back when when you used to play a lot in San Francisco, you you had re, you kind of had your retorts ready for uh, for audience members that would yeah. like yell out stuff. You were always just right on the money, on target. It was almost like you were like it was a heckler and a challenge, and you would shut people down instantly. It was hilarious. Yeah, I've, I I feel like I have stock answers in my pockets at all time. I mean, there were some, I remember one guy yelling, you know, where are you from? And I just said Regina. And that was, <laughs> my bass player looked at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I, it's, I like uh, to riff, and yeah. um, I feel like I'm fast on my feet for the most part, uh, but, yeah. I just, I, you just reminded me, I had, um, there was this band Possum Dixon, and Rob Zabrecki was the lead singer, and he started doing some uh, little magic tricks on the stage. Um, and then when Pops and Dixon die, die, uh, whatever happened to them, he became a magician. And he's like a big time magician now. Wow. And kind of com- comedic as well. Wow. Just like, is he single? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I mean that. <laughs> for, for the other ladies? Asking for the, the others. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I've dated guys who may have been magicians because they were always disappearing. That was good. That, uh, you got me half. You got me half sip. I'm glad I took the coffee out of my mouth. Um, what was okay? So, um, I, I think we've known each other maybe 13, 14 years or something like that. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. When you came on my show many years, probably about a decade ago, I think I was going through my divorce and you were going through something. And it was so much fun looking back because when we had your record playing, the record that you, whatever uh, record that I just released. Blood and Wine. It might have been, yeah. Yeah. And the, it was, so as the songs were playing, we were in studio. It was like we were both kind of almost crying and talking about all the deep stuff and then I'd be like alright right, Ricardo we got 10 seconds left we get it up and we'd be like, I'd be like Ricardo that was a great song where did that where did the influence from that come from and you were like right on target it just it's one of my it's one of my favorite memories at Pirate Cat Radio oh yeah no I, I've always enjoyed working and uh, doing interviews with you and well, it's mainly because you're a writer and um, I know I have huge reverence for writers. I think, as most people do, you're like these, the wise men of the world that um, uh, love language. But um, building a story, having making sense of things, it's uh, not random. Um, I like. I'm very creative, but I like logic, and I like them together. <laughs> I find that more and more necessary to have some truth saying in my music and my art and. Or what I think is the truth. Right, right. Just, just the honest. Now I'm just rambling. Sorry. <laughs> no, just the honesty. It's just I can tell when an author is not even when they're not being honest with their characters, and you feel like they're pulling back. The uh, way you know with with your music, there's there's such a there's such a there is a deep deep layers to it. So when I listen to it, I'm touched by it. Uh, you know, it's, it's so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Ricardo accepts compliments about our music. <laughs> I, I'm, it's hard. It, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't. It's um, well, yeah. I can't accept them. Uh, yeah, and I think that's um, been an issue. I mean, well, I do uh, collect compliments. Really? <laughs> I collect them and I put them in a piggy bank because yeah. I feel that um, I know that I will need them. Um, because I think that, well I had an interview maybe like five years ago where they asked me I think they could kind of see my career was going nowhere and they asked me if what it was that I would have wanted to have changed and if I could go back and something that's been missing and I mean there's so the list is so long but um, I think having um, a belief in myself was the missing agreement 
uh, ingredient, and um, it's still, <laughs> still we're still looking for it. Um, but I just never had this like uh, relentless. Um, yeah, I know I've got it. I mean, I just I like I know the songs have it when they have it. I mean, that's why I release them. But uh, somehow I feel completely disconnected from them. I mean, very much part of me. Yeah. But th- sometimes once they're completed, I'm like, well, how, who, how did that happen? You know, I have yeah. no real, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I've often just, oh, I mean, my God, now I'm really, I, I went to a women's um, confidence workshop. That's where we're at now. That's what, that's what happened. And I bummed all of them out. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I was. I just. I. I think they were just like. I don't think you should even be here. Maybe you should like. <laughs> um, but so I was telling them about being on stage um, a number of times where I was, you know, finished. Heart was in the song, feeling it. End the song. I hear the applause, and I'm just looking out at everybody, and I'm thinking, I'm a sham. Jokes on you. Yeah. And uh, I shouldn't even be here. And the real person that you've come to see will be on after, maybe. And then I realize I'm the headliner. And I look at my band and the real musicians, and they've gone to like music academies. And I'm like, what are they doing, working with me? This is a, you know, and and it's a, it's probably the voice of my parents in my head just coming out. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, you know, this is all a joke. This is not, uh, now I'm really going to depress everybody. Um, yeah, that art and music and culture is meaningless. It's nothing. The only thing that matters is money. And what are we doing here tonight? We're not making any, (laughs) like, or we're just, we're, we're worried about frivolous stuff. Yeah. And you know, um, and it, and it's not frivolous. I have to remind myself. I have to talk to people like you. I have to talk. Um, but I get, I get weird about it. I don't. I, I don't think you're in the minority. I think you're in the majority of. I, I feel like my like especially. <clears throat> I'll have like friends who have written you know dozen books. And yeah. They they get to the next book and they still feel like it's nothing and they feel like they have nothing to offer. And a friend of mine said, if if if, if someone doesn't have imposter syndrome. They're either lying or they're just sociopaths. It's, it's well, that makes me feel better. I mean, I feel like every record is like an extremely elaborate message in a bottle. It's just, like, you know, well, I, I've pressed 5,000 of these and yeah. <laughs> now they're just floating plastic in the ocean. Yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, now we have digital, so Greta Thunberg can be happier about that. But... Um, yeah, I'm not sure when you know. I keep moving. Oh, is that the, is that the girl? <laughs> that's the Swedish, uh, the little Swedish girl who. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so yeah, and um, I don't know what I was talking about. Something depressing. Because you dropped a yeah. you dropped a funny in the middle of the depressing. Yeah. I, even I mean, even comedians are the, probably the most depressed people I know. But they're but I get it. I, I understand it. It's weird. Yeah. Well, when I was in uh, comedy college, um, one of the instructors realized that my father was a Holocaust sur- survivor, and he was like, "Yeah, we're going to want more of that. Can you bring more of that?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, and I feel like I've done all my Holocaust jokes." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know. So um, 
And uh, I think he also thought I, I grew up in a shtetl, but I'm, I'm not really that. Anyway, so <laughs> he, he wanted more Jewy. Right. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll be back in five minutes. You're like, look, I got a Swedish mom. We got a lot of material there. Yeah, yeah we've just, yeah. So, um, but one of my, my big hits, uh, joke hits, was uh, my father complaining that he had survived the Holocaust, but he can't survive my mother. <laughs> and uh, he wrote that, actually, but it's mine now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's funny. So, um, I, I, here's, the, here's the thing that, I mean, I feel like, personally, uh, as, you know, someone who's from San Francisco, insulted that you did not get... I feel like your show should have been so much, so much more well attended. You should have got so much more recognition in San Francisco, and it feels like you get more in Eastern Europe. Like I see what you're doing there, and you're getting on talk shows, and then I'm like, that's what, sh- that's what should have been happening to Ricardo here. Yeah, um, I mean, I I have to be careful not to enter into the bitterness. Yeah, because um, it, <clears throat> it comes up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, it's not cute. So, um, but um, with Eastern Europe, um, specifically with Poland, it was it was really it was it was good. It was kind of holding me over. Um, but it was also very frustrating because I felt like that I was like this should be happening in Western Europe. And um, you know, a lot of it is luck and timing and who you know. And I didn't have any of those things on the radar um but but it's also become enormously frustrating because i put my heart into the words and the words aren't understood so i feel uh there are times when i was on stage where i was just like nobody knows what am i i'm just people are just looking at me what there's nothing to look at there's nothing and i get very uh frustrated with the rock and roll scene in general because the music is so loud that at some point you don't hear even guitar solos you don't hear nuance in music and people are talking and there's so I'm I'm pretty sure that when people go to a show they really don't hear me at all and I have a very good example of that because I was on stage actually in Germany and the band was so loud um, that was a particular lineup that really maybe wasn't seasoned enough to work in a lower volume. But they were really, really loud. And at some point, I just thought to myself, I'm going to lose my voice if I keep singing. So I just stopped singing and just lip synced the whole way through the set. And nobody noticed. <laughs> nobody had any clue. And I think I must have been exuding like flames out of my head because it was so just having a little mini <laughs> temper tantrum inside my body and um, suppressing it and uh, got through it and after the show people were like oh my god your voice is so <laughs> just, you know, it's just and I'm thinking to myself like what am I doing this is so weird I, I don't know what to do about I have no control um, yeah I control I, I, I don't know I, I, I just and I just let people say that um, maybe they heard something <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe they heard another voice 
Well, too bad they too bad they don't have a uh, like when you're working with a band backing band like that where you, you have like the you know you the little pickups where you can like where you could put a you could drop it down about you know you could drop it from eleven down to seven with one tap. Tell the tell the sound guy that I need these. Just don't tell the band. Yeah. Well, in the later years, I started working with a different band and a sound man, and things were under control um, or audible and, and never feeling like I was just going to lose my voice. I did at one time lose my voice with um, that uh, another lineup in the earlier days where, um, yeah, I had to kind of just sort of <laughs> raspy speak my way through a set and um, that it happens. I mean, I'm sure it happens to a lot of vocalists, but but. It, um, there's only, I mean, I have a pretty strong voice, but there's only so much you can... Athletes have uh, s- strains and sprains, um, and it happens to vocalists, so... And, and writers get carpal tunnel and uh, brain lock. Yeah. No, they really do. Yeah, yeah, so... I just remembered, I have... I think uh, you played live in studio on a couple a couple times when you came in to do interviews like a yeah. like decade ago I might drop one of those songs on here okay. to your utter horror or to your delight I don't know uh, to your audience's horror or delight more likely so uh, enjoy that yeah. I'm sure the live is live is always weird yeah. but that's the point I mean it's like I, I mean live um to me, it's like when you see an accident on the road, it's like, you know, you're going to still a show. <laughs> Train wreck is still a show, still going to slow down and see that. So um, I think Kat Power is a great example of that. She's such an amazing uh, songwriter and performer, but she was known in her early days for having a few breakdowns on stage. People love it either way. When, um, and that would be a great place to have a breakdown because there's probably, as you have so many conflicting thoughts going through your head, it would make sense. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I don't know, I just stuff it. And then, yeah. so I think I, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, well, so I'm in San Francisco and you're in San Francisco yeah. and it was so great to converge. I, yeah. cause I was just like, I don't know why I thought, I was like, I can't remember. I was just like, I think. Ricardo might be in San Francisco for Christmas. We got a tape because it's we haven't been in the same city for a long time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been ages. Like you were saying, maybe well, ten years or something. Now six years. Yeah, yeah. It's a big difference between. Yeah, yeah. Math is not my strong suit. Yeah. What um. So so. Uh, are you? Do you still plan tours on the, for the Eastern Europe? And that w- what I've seen from afar is I get to watch your videos uh, that you post from afar. Mm, I don't have anything lined up. Um, so I think there might be one or two acoustic shows coming up this year. Um, at the moment, I'm working on... Um, well, you mentioned the children's book that I did, and I illustrated it. And at the moment, I'm illustrating... Um, a little music video and so it'll be um, a stop motion music video um, with a new song that I've written and everything has just been self-recorded at home same with the video Um, just a little um, just a little work of love and I I love 
to draw and do watercolors, and I'm not lady. I do watercolors. I always try to get my nieces and nephews to do it with me, and they're like, ew. And si- well, since you put the first um, Aunt Black book out, how old were your nieces and nephews then? They were pretty young, yeah? Yeah, they were. Um, well, there's so many of them, and they oh, just and they just keep coming. Um, so you so you have very fertile uh, siblings. Uh, well, one, one one has been to the scientist a few times, but uh, yeah. So um, I lost count, but they yeah I think they were like seven at the time, and and at the time I was wearing black all the time, and they were really tripped out about it. They, and so they asked me why do I wear black, and I wrote a story about it, um, and it made it cute. How old are they got to be in their teens now, yeah, or no? Yeah, I think two are in college now. Yeah. How does that feel to be uh, Auntie Ricarda and have your uh, nieces and nephews in college? Uh, I don't know. I still see them as wee little things, but um, no, it's okay. I, I feel like I'm pretty good friends with one of them, and uh, yeah, and, I, and now I feel like it's okay to swear around them and and uh, but they're I'm just gonna say it, they're not like really into music or art and uh, no not at all and I was I was talking about wine tasting the other day and they were like oh it's all make-believe and I was like what no I'm like oh my god no. I'm like no you gotta find out which grape variety it is and smell the bouquet like I'm doing all this and they're just looking at me like no no what are they? What are the youth of today into? Computers. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah, that's their thing is computers. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to get them to go see a, a number of movies, and no, not having it. And I mean, I have to say, I, I mean, I'm sure you were like this too. I was like really into foreign cinema and like esoteric this and that and sometimes just because it made me look cool and sometimes because I really liked it and um, interested in different cultures and all sorts of music all sorts of everything and uh, now there's like out of and this is a big group of like there's like uh with just the sisters alone, I think there are eight or nine of them, and then there's like all the, like there none of them are artsy fartsy at all. It's wow. good. Uh, it's like, yeah. So so they just think I'm weird. Uh-huh. I'm just the weird like yeah. Percy. But but they're the weird ones. Well, we're we're the we're we're the cool freaks in this whole game. It's like it's they, 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 yeah. I was like even going to L.A. Because it felt like very foreign for me to go to L.A., even though even though it was close. But I I went down there. I had friends in the right you know in the writing community, but I still had to go find my freaks. And it's and it's fun to go to another city and find your freaks. I, I feel like I was you know, I was just in New York and I was just in Boston. I'm like, where are my freaks? It's you know. Yeah. It used to be easier to find them, but you got to find the well. I have to say the coffee house. Yeah. Coffee house still pulls through. Uh, good coffee. People like. Uh, a good bean blend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You could have a head for beans. Oh, my God. And anybody, like, whenever I'm at a cafe, and if anyone's reading a bound book, I'm like, what are you reading? Yeah. You know, what is that? Okay. And then I find out, I'm, like, writing it down going, thank you. Great. You know, it's, and people will come up to me and be like, 
you know, because I was, I was just I was reading this book. Oh, what's I, I don't know. Um, Nicole Kraus is her name, and it was a bestseller many years ago. And I just found it at Goodwill, and I read the first sentence, and I went, "I'm buying this." I, and I'm totally into the book. And I was just at another cafe, totally laughing out loud. And you know, no one approached me. But if I was me, from you know, if I saw someone laughing out loud at a book, I'd be like, "I need to find out what that book is." I don't know. People aren't reading. I don't know if they're yeah they're reading their phones. Um, yeah. So I sound I sound like an old lady today. I'm like, yeah. But now they're reading their phones, and uh, especially here in the Bay Area, I don't really see. I, I have not seen anybody with a book. I will say because I'm living in Paris for a while now, um, and I see people with books on the metro all the time, uh, all the time. Um, there are bookstores everywhere, little bookshops um, with specialty this and that. Uh, there's, I mean, nobody really goes to the big mass bookstore. Maybe they're ordering online, but yeah. And books are still really popular there. What, um, oh, can you read in French? Are you, are you that far along? Uh, I can, well, hmm. I mean, I can't read a novel, but I mean, what do we? Yeah, I can read a menu like nobody's business. Um, yeah, I can. I have. I would say I'm at intermediate level. Okay. So it's yeah. Have you tried a novel yet? Um, well, I got a really um, I, I don't know how a trashy novel to uh-huh. see because I was like, well, I'll read this. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was too much slang and um, too many. Uh, uh, tenses that I wasn't familiar with at that point but I do read um, a lot of lyrics actually so um, because it's a way of me uh, immersing myself in the language and listening to music and then I look at the lyrics and I try to pronounce the lyrics and sing along and and then also looking at the translation so um, you know I read them read the lyrics and I try to translate myself and then any little nuance I do the translation and just sort of become more, you know, slowly more literate yeah. in French. Yeah, yeah. What's what was it like when you first went to uh, France, and then compared to now? Because now it's almost like there's a there's a more of a solid home base, sort of. Yeah, I feel comfortable there. Um, uh, so I I know my way around completely. I never need a map. Um, uh, so it, I have a group of friends, um, so it's vastly different um, experience for me, but um, language is still coming, and um, but I, I feel comfortable enough to, um, you know, I just, even though the, the French are actually very good at English, they just hold themselves to a very high standard of English, so, or, yeah, and so when you ask them if, if they're fluent they'll say no when they clearly are because they believe that they have to be perfect so um but so when somebody is speaking english with me i'll just force them to speak my weird primitive uh french and uh and try to respond as much um as i can and and so on i it's it's a struggle I think I need to move to like some really remote little village where, oh yeah, yeah, 
so we're, there's nobody speaking English, and I'm just forced to survive. Right. Yeah. Thrown into the fire. Yeah. I did have a funny experience when I first moved there because the landlord had sent over a repairman to check out a leak. Is this a porn movie? No. No. (laughs) I'm recalling the repairman at this time. I'm like, no, it was no. No. But he, um, the repairman didn't speak any English. And so my French was so limited and I just had to improvise. And I remember saying something like that the... I was trying to describe that the roof was leaking, but I didn't have this vocabulary, so I just started saying, you know, there's a hat that sits on the house, so it's like a hat, but it's not a hat. It's a, so it's the hat that's on the house, and he's looking at me like, oh my God, what is happening here? And I remember just going, I don't know. And I was like, and this hat, <laughs> the hat is crying. It's crying from over there and I'm like so they got that the hat and but it's not a hat yeah. and he was and then he took his phone out and called the landlord <laughs> I was like, and I was just oh my god but I was so pleased with myself I was like yeah yeah like yeah when I, when I was when I was near the uh, Eiffel Tower one time yeah I had to go pee really bad. Like, it was, like, going to blow out my kidneys any second. And I didn't have that much money on me, so I couldn't even, like, order food. So I walked right into a cafe like I knew what I was doing. And then the guy was like, bonsoir, monsieur, monsieur, bonsoir. You know, trying to get my uh, attention. And I looked at him, and I was like, just with total earnestness, I said, je suis toilette. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, and what did he say? He gave me directions in French. Okay. I'll go, Shabbat, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I got, I was like, all right. I, I knew he said like left and down. And then I went. And as I was like having the sweetest relief of my life, I realized I told him I was a toilet. Yeah. Well, that's what she did. <laughs> uh, but he understood. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'm remembering um, Steve Martin's uh, for that comedy album with the um, King Tut. And, he's, yeah, yeah. and, and he was talking about France and asking for the Oué la Casa de Pepe. <laughs> so I'm always thinking about like Oué la Casa de Pepe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, what is Pepe? Oh, it's creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where is the house of pee? <laughs> yes, but it's a little Spanish, a little French. Oué, that's where is, yeah, <laughs> la Casa. Yeah, when I couldn't say it, I, um, I, would, I would say Oué. And just kind of show, you know, the. Oh, that's action. very French to make the sounds. Yeah, there really? you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so, um, there's a lot of like, um, like, uh, 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 and things like that. Little um, spit sounds and things. Uh, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's frustration and like boof is yeah. like oof. Um, yeah, or that's kind of Scandinavian too, the like oofta, right? Mm, I don't know. I never really hear my cousins venting. <laughs> I oh, think okay. maybe that's Swedish. Just keep it inside. <laughs> keep it deep down where nobody can see. Yes. Hidden with the trolls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then explode my pancreas ten years from now. My, well, my mother's got an alternative plan. She just takes it out on my father. <laughs> 
And she's like, what, 125 now? She's going to live to 125 at least. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, I think she's 82 going on a 125. She's very um, eccentric. Yeah. Extremely eccentric. Uh, she, she never, re- does she ever listen to your music or no? She doesn't like anything to do with my music. Yeah. Are we running out of tape? Do no, people- no, 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 no. <laughs> I just, I, I just check it My mother's, it's, it's so funny because I think, and with my father as well, they, it, art and music, specifically mine, are forbidden topics. So it just doesn't exist. They don't think about it. They don't want to know about it. Don't, it's a source of pain or embarrassment. I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I don't think they've really listened to it so I know it's not actually embarrassment because of the music it's just um, a reminder that I'm neither a doctor or a lawyer yeah (laughs) and uh, yeah I think that it has a lot to do with some old world stigma Um, it's my mother just convulses if she hears it or sees it in any way at one point she seemed like if I mentioned I was going to Poland, she, she would ask, you know, I'm going to Poland to play music and tour. But if I mentioned that to her, she would just sort of, quite honestly, I mean, you could see like the mechanism, mechanism in her brain turning and shutting it all out and just saying, what are you doing there? Are you doing graphic design? <laughs> like I had some office job <laughs> in another, co- so, um, I, and at some point I would just go, yep, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to fax some documents. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it would get it would get funny. Um, and then she felt like it was okay to say that instead of music, I was doing poetry. And I'm like, okay, all right, we'll rebrand it. Okay, sure. Um, as you like. It doesn't exist. And so they they my my parents really have no idea of where I've been, what I've done. Um, yeah. So, which is, it's a little bit of a, it's hard for me sometimes because I have to be very, very invisible. Uh, And it's, I mean, it's hard to pick up a guitar or pick up a pen and then, uh, and then to have that force kind of against you as well. I mean, going on tour has got to be very, uh, you know, there, there's the mechanics of it, but at the same time, it's very vulnerable that you're going in front of strangers every night. Yeah. Yeah, I feel safer with them than with my family. <laughs> I think, well, I mean, there are so many weird psychological things that have gone in my uh, being part of music because I was a very shy kid, um, and I think that is still very much a part of me. And I wasn't really allowed to express myself growing up, and so I think I found art... Um, I was in, had a natural aptitude to drawing, but as far as music or writing in general, no. I, there's no natural nothing happening there. I'm sure some people will agree. But I wanted to express myself. I wanted to get make sense of my emotions, examine the problem, um, try to make something ugly into something beautiful. And it had... So I wrote, and I never really thought, now you get up in front of people and you express this and then you put yourself through exactly all the same pain that made you write the things to begin with and 
it didn't it doesn't feel healthy <laughs> um it it's it's just asking for more of the same like here i am gonna get critiqued gonna get knocked down uh is anybody listening no nobody's listening and maybe sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad but it's uh some people do listen of course so and you're just hoping they're in the audience that one person in the back in in that bar in Croatia um, and I think that you know there's so much funny stuff about my career because first of all I'm big in Poland and now, <laughs> let's just say that over a few times and let it sink in because I don't think I ever woke up one morning when I was a teenager and said you know I want to play some rock and roll I'm gonna be big in Poland and like, it's just big in Japan okay uh, but then yeah so that that was interesting yeah it's fun to be big somewhere you know it's, I want to be banned somewhere it's like no one would even ban me you know uh, I, re- I just remember this like I think it was after your second album you're like I'm done with music I don't know if you remember that that yeah. time you were just like no I'm done I'm out Really? Yeah, because it, I think I had so much burnout um, that I actually uh, I w- had been uh, yeah burning the candle at both ends, trying to work and pay for things and blah blah blah. And I started losing my hair and I stopped menstruating and um, and I just was totaled and um, and I thought, well, I'll go to Europe because um, I've always wanted to do that and I'm not getting any younger and I want to learn a foreign language and so I'm going to do that and then I was still writing but uh, somebody in um, from a, a festival in Poland uh, wrote me and said you know would you be available to play a concert out here and I didn't want to tell them that I <laughs> disbanded my band uh, so I said, well, you know, everybody's really busy right now. <laughs> it's just me. Um, and uh, she's, so she's like, oh, that's too bad. And then, like, maybe a couple weeks later, she said, you know, we've got, we've got a house band, and they're working with some other visiting musicians. Would you be open to working with them? And I thought, well, why not? Because who's going to see it, you know, if it's not right or... Um, and I met these guys, and they became my band and uh, out of Warsaw. And um, so uh, I can't remember the year exactly, maybe 2011. And um, and I didn't know who these guys were at all, and I was going to have to stay in the same hotel as them. So I made up the story that I had a boyfriend because I didn't want any like weird knock on the door and these guys all ended up being like the most nice and polite respectful but I didn't know because I I mean you know rock and roll's weird and um so yeah I had this boyfriend named Sven and (laughs) (laughs) did you create a total backstory for your boyfriend I went George Costanza on this like it was ridiculous so Sven was a hockey player. He's actually not Swedish. He's Finnish. He just has a Swedish name. Like, and it's just like, it's just, it's just coming out of my mouth. And like, and then I just kind of forgot about Sven because, you know, he's never around. He's always playing hockey. And, um, and he, he did lose his front teeth, but he has veneers now and it's okay. You can't even tell the difference except when there's a fluorescent light at the disco. So it just, just like flows right out of me. 
I think he may have looked a little bit like Colin Firth, but with lighter hair. So anyway, so I just want to put that in there if Colin Firth is listening. So, um, so maybe like a couple years later, um, there were quite a few guys in this band. They all play for other bands. And so one guy I hadn't seen for a while. And I ran into him and he's like, yeah, so how, how's your boyfriend, Sven? And I was like, what? What? What are you talking about? Like, I was like, Sven, 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 do I know Sven? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, oh, he's fine. He's like, yeah, we broke up. It's, yeah, we, we disagreed about this or that. It was just, it was, yeah, so anyways. But um, it was a safe, Sven was there as a safety precaution. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a necessary uh, evil. But. Well, you're going to a different country. You're going someplace you don't know. You know, I mean, you got to take care of yourself. That's yeah. that's a good way to take care of yourself. And then, you, but and then at the same time, you didn't really think through the breakup. You you didn't end the story well. So I that's thought it would end. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really, it was the best. It's still probably the most healthy relationship I've ever had. It's like, <laughs> I really feel like I I worked through all the the character study of this Sven person thoroughly I mean you know he was the kind of guy <laughs> really like to discuss a problem really yeah and address my feelings first and then oh yes it was <laughs> so, so like so when the problem came up he said uh, he said look look um, my, my darling what like I, I understand your feelings but I want to make sure I absolutely understand can you can you tell me where I, where I'm wrong exactly yeah can you just can you, can you give me the list of complaints? I'll review them and get back to you. Uh, yeah, you know. So there's that. So I mean, so it sounds like I, I didn't know you were like losing your hair and all that. Did you know? And uh, yeah, no, it, it looked yeah, it looks fantastic. But um, I mean, when when did so you went to Europe while you were in the middle of that crisis, right? And then when when did it when did it like when did it start to feel like things were kind of releasing and you were like realizing oh wait i i i have i have a place or i i don't know i well the third album was about being independent and autonomous and sort of accepting that um maybe i'm just a, a loner um and i got to be i got to learn to adjust to that and be comfortable with it so i felt like that was really in line with this new experience of living abroad or not really having a home um, because I I really intentionally decided I just didn't want a home Um, and uh, at some point uh, I started piecing together the third album and it was almost entirely acoustic I think I did uh, there was hardly any guitar it was mostly just um, my rhythm guitar me on piano lots and lots of layers of vocals and then a lot of drums Danny Loring on drums and he is such a big part of the album and um, and then some instruments here and there but it, it was a um, um, uh, frankly a budget choice and um, but also it was like well if you are independent and this is all you have at your resources you just work with what you have like when you open your fridge and you you just see like two pieces of bread and cheese what can I do with this um, and I think that was uh, successful in that way but then the manager that I, I had 
started working with a manager here. He wasn't really a manager, but kind of. Um, and he died. And maybe, and then the album, because he was helping me with the album, and it was a big, I don't know if I'm really, I'm not really answering your question. I'm just kind of going off. Um, and that was a bit devastating because I hadn't, yeah, I wasn't prepared to just, well, I think he, he had made some alignment with somebody to release the album, and then they weren't going to release it at all. So I had to buy back whatever I owed and take it somewhere. And then two weeks later, a manager from Poland contacted me and asked if, when I would be back in Europe, and I was um, headed back. And I went out to Warsaw and met this management team, and they, you know, for Poland were very big independent managers. So, um, and then I felt like, okay, I can breathe again for a little bit, or at least I have some wind in my sails as far as moving forward and doing something with that record. Um, but it, <laughs> but then um, I had bad luck again. I mean, I've had a lot of bad luck. Um, there was a girl in Poland who um, they knew uh, who was looking for songwriters and she wanted to uh, she was leaving her band to do a solo album and they asked me if I would speak to her about uh, her uh, co-writing with me or something like that and so I had a conversation with her and she said she needed songs right now, right away. And I said, well, I don't have anything like that. You know, we have to spend some time. And, um, and I said, you know, I have some songs that haven't been released in Europe. They've been released elsewhere and maybe you could do a cover of those. And then I went away and I got an email from a fan that said, I just heard one of your songs on the radio in Poland, but it's not you and it's in Polish. And she stole my song. And uh, and I was like, what am I gonna do? Um, so I had to get an attorney and go through a bunch of rigmarole. And that just knocked the wind out of my sails. So I just, um, it was just a constant tussle and my management didn't really protect me or anything it wasn't really anything anybody could do once they steal your material so in the end I think um, we had to do some kind of split but um, she's still she's quite popular because of my song <laughs> we got nominated for a get this it's like a Grammy in, um, in Poland so it's called a Friedrichy <laughs> it's named after Frederick Chopin. Uh, yeah, so it was a good song. And I think she's done all sorts of remixes with it. And so I'm like, well, I guess if she's still working. <laughs> I, I guess if she's still working, I'm working a little bit too. Right, right. It's, I mean, so it sounds, like, it, sounds like, it sounds like Europe is calling you. You go over there to, to get some sweet relief. And then you do get some sweet relief. And then you kind of get an ass kicking again. How do you how do you cope in that situation? Are, are, are you I mean, like your coping mechanisms? You, you got to be starting to hang tough because I know you've been through a lot of kickdowns. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not 
tough. And I think that's why um, these things might happen. Um, but uh, I don't know if I have a coping mechanism. I mean, I get really cynical. Um, I think one of my escapes is opera. I love opera and because it's it's completely different than anything else that I'm a part of but I studied some opera when I was a teen and so that's like where I'll, I'll put the headphones on just freak out or go to the opera and then I can be completely distant and isolated from anything that has to do with rock and roll but um, no I mean I think it's uh, it's rock and roll and I think um, you know, we hear all the success stories and we hear all the really not success stories, but then there's all these people like me somewhere in between that's just like, what, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, where are we? Because you get a little bit ahead, but then you get pushed down and you still kind of keep going because um, there's still an audience and you know it works. You know that there's critical acclaim, but there's it's never did music for a financial reward but yet I I would never scoff at that of course because you need that to keep going and um, so um, a situation like this with this girl who stole my music um, it's um, the financial repercussions were pretty heavy um, because she just wouldn't let up uh, legally um, and she just wouldn't concede um, to a cover song. So, um, and she felt no moral uh, qualms about it. Uh, I, I did a cover song of Jacques Dutronc, and I had to write him, uh, go through his publisher, make sure he reviewed the song before I put it on an album. Uh, I had I'd altered a few words because um, the pron female pronouns, the male female pronouns had changed and he had to make sure that I hadn't um, changed the theme of the song too much. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I'd, and, I, and you know, he's the songwriter. It's not me claiming some co-authorship. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, and, and also because I am a songwriter, I'm so respectful of somebody else's work that you know, um, the reason why I would I wanted to do his song um, was because I wanted other people to know about Jacques Dutronc, and I love his work, and yeah, so it was reverence. I don't, I wasn't doing it because I didn't have enough songs to sing. The people who don't have enough songs to sing and then they live off of one of your songs, those are the people that probably don't have the heart of actually being an artist. Maybe they just know the mechanical parts of it and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or they're narcissistic sociopaths. I know a lot of those. Are we going to veer off into that now because I've got a list of complaints? <laughs> Let's hear your list of complaints. Uh, well, no, I mean, I... I don't know where to begin. The only good thing about Trump. <laughs> no. Oh wait, hold on! I gotta get the mic back to you because you can't just leave that hanging. Okay, go ahead. 
and now I have a reference to show everybody to point to that is what I grew up with I had three of those in my house so it was just perpetual gaslighting uh, trivial trivializing problems uh, exaggerations so similar so many uh, it's like uh, malignant narcissists are very predictable so it's um, but yeah I had three of those in my house so I'm that I'm not uh, addicted to heroin or drinking all the time is a miracle so I just <laughs> but um, so th- that's the only good thing about them is, is for my personal needs that I can point to go for example <laughs> that you see I wasn't lying all those years that sh- stuff goes on and those and the, the, those people believe themselves 100%, even if they are throwing out these lies left and right. It's so weird. I mean, I don't, you know, I can't speak for the weirdo Trump, but I mean, I've known some sociopaths where you just sit there going, you've like, you've told like four lies and you believe all of them, but they're all, and you're just, it's just, I can't be near you anymore. It's, you know. Yeah, it's um, entitlement and rationalization. I mean, they have to justify why they are exempt from uh, normal standards of behavior. And so if they've done something um, intentionally hurtful to you, they have to justify, well, you made it me do that. Well, you know, no. <laughs> no. You, you're just using all those great creative writing skills in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So It's rough going. And then, I mean, the, and I think they, you know, a lot of those do target like empathetic, creative people, which you know they they see as weak. I, I've had to like really buck up and learn what to do in those situations and when to put those boundaries down when I want to just be free and open. It's like you can't. You gotta stock answers. I keep all these stock yeah. answers in my pocket where it's just if uh, something's coming at me and I'm, get, I'm getting insulted, I just say out loud what I'm thinking, which is that says so much more about you than it does about me. Yes. Things like that. Or I do the, the look of death, which is um, something that I've learned from friends of mine who are friends who have children. Yes. So you don't yell, you don't scold, you just give them the stare down. And the stare down says, you take a moment you think about that crazy thing that just came out of your mouth and you just sit with that and you know that I know that you know that I know you are a little monster right now and we'll be watching you um so you just give them that look like yeah yeah it's very De Niro but like yeah so um my eyeballs are on you um that terrifies my sister like nothing. It's just, just like, it's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> just you wait. Well, this has been another therapy session with you. Yeah. I, I, Ricarda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> sort of, I don't know how embarrassing I've been to myself, but yes, I'm so delighted to see you, by the way. <laughs> As promised, here's Ricarda Parasol on my radio show in 2008, performing live in studio. at 21 I was a widow at 22 I cried into my pillow but I never thought about what my life 
should have been I don't think about it now I just keep on living And so often that it can become the case The path you've set upon Has suddenly changed Where once the trail was so clear And so prime The brush now overgrown And tracks are troublesome to find Those trees entangle like limbs That are bound to ensnare Yet a beam or two of sun Illuminates the wooded walk I talk of here and The ivory lace was woven as a crawler's web The dress been bone though my sash was rosed red White Henry in my hair and Sapporo in my hand At twenty and one hope is plenty, unrest is hard to fathom And so often that it can become the case Where love once resided Freedom now takes a place In the Was so clear and prime. The brush now overgrown and tracks are cumbersome to find. Those trees entangle like limbs that are bound to ensnare. Yet in Lilium light shall I be bathed on the day I go from here. That was great. Using my voice all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, uh, no, but it, it sounded 
It sounded really good. Oh, thanks. I, I hope it sounded good out there. I was doing my best to mix it. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo Parasol, you're listening to Drinks with Tony on Pirate Cat Radio, 87.9 FM, www.piratecatradio.com. And Ricardo, you're playing next week at... At the Independent, we're opening uh, for American Music Club, Mark Eitzel's band, and uh, me and... The Tower Ravens, Ricardo Parasol. Awesome, the Tower Ravens. Yeah. awesome. And you were, um, what song was that, by the way? I haven't. It's heard a that. brand new song. It's called "In Lily White Light." <laughs> oh, I love it. So, uh, a song about whiteness instead of blackness. <laughs> uh huh. So, a new one for me. Yeah, um, what's up with that? Are you in love right now or something? Oh no, not oh, okay. at all <laughs> with myself again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's everlasting. Um, no, it's well. It's a song about. Um, I think it's a song about dying. <laughs> okay. So, or something like that. Just sort of a, uh, um, uh, about having once had hopes and giving up on hope and good, uh-huh. you know really good positive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ricardo Parasol and Drinks with Tony. Check out her books, Aunt Black and Aunt Black Goes to Paris. Also check out her amazing records, The Color of Destruction, Against the Sun, For Blood and Wine, and Our Hearts First Meet. Thanks for listening to Drinks with Tony. More interviews with writers coming in your ear holes next Wednesday. <laughs>